0: Turning your Bibles to Luke 22 as we continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. Luke presents Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. As we study this morning, we are not only in the final week of Christ's life before He goes to the cross, but we are in the final day. This is the day that He will eat the Passover meal with His men. He will go to the garden, be arrested, tried, and then the next morning crucified. This is such a powerful section of God's word because what happens in this passage affects us we see our Savior coming to die and rise again to pay for sin and to conquer death he is the substitute and the sacrifice for our sins he gives eternal life to all who believe in this passage we're seeing the Passover meal and something special happens during the Passover which will be for us Jesus establishes the memorial a memorial for all believers we remember his death and his resurrection we look forward to his return We call this the Lord's Supper. So this morning we see Jesus changing the Passover meal to the Lord's Supper. And may we be encouraged as we study this passage this morning. Well, you know, memorials are important. We need them, so we won't forget things. We think about OSU and remember the 10, and we do not want to forget about those 10 who died in that plane crash. And then we think about Oklahoma City and the the, the bombing memorial, so we won't forget what happened there. And in Washington, D.C., of course, there's the memorials for the different wars, and we don't want to forget about that. In the Bible, for the Jewish people, there were a number of memorials. You think about when they crossed over into the Promised Land led by Joshua. They crossed the, the uh, Jordan River, and it became, you know, no water at all. They just crossed. Right over and they took these stones out of the, the bed of the river and piled them up, 12 stones, so that every time that they would look and see those stones, they would remember that's where they crossed into the promised land. Do you realize that as Christians, Jesus Christ has left for us a memorial? We call it the Lord's Supper. It is an ordinance that we celebrate on a regular basis. It is so that we will not forget what Jesus Christ has done for us. The Lord's Supper reminds us of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How He left the glories of heaven and He became a person so He could take our sins in His body. And He'd go to the cross and pay for our sins. And how His blood was shed for us as the final sacrifice for sin forever. The substitute and sacrifice for sin. Well this morning as we continue in the study, our study of the Gospel of Luke... Jesus eating the Passover meal with the disciples and making the change. He institutes the Lord's Supper and this memorial. There's so much in this Passover. Let's begin. We're seeing the final days of Jesus' life and ministry right before he goes to the cross. He has come to die and rise again to pay for sin, to conquer death, to be the Savior of the world. Last time we realized that uh, he's come to that time Which we often call, or the Bible calls Passover It's a a feast sometimes called Unleavened Bread There are two or three feasts that go together We need to understand that this, when it says Passover time In fact, if you look at chapter 22, verse 1 It says, now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called Passover Was approaching We need to understand that there are three Jewish feasts That happen all at the same time In fact, we've got them right here There's three feasts, there's Passover, Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits Now there were seven yearly Jewish feasts Uh, In found in Leviticus 23 Here are the first three And they all flow together Passover took place on the 14th day of the first month as when they sacrificed the lamb It reminded them of their time in Egypt When they came out On the 15th or the 21st of that first month Was a feast called Unleavened Bread In which it was a picture of no sin And they thought of it that way And then on the Sunday In that week of the 15th or the 21st There was a feast called the first fruits. It, It was a picture of new life and resurrection They would go out and pick the very first of the crops So those three feasts all came together It's that time when it says now the feast Of unleavened bread which is called Passover Was approaching now all these Go together because what they really are is A picture of Jesus Christ they give us A foreshadow of what he would do now you think about It on Passover the 14th day Of the first month was when they killed the Passover lamb Well Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb Came to the earth to die for us and he Came and he died on Passover On the 14th day of the first month Unleavened bread was a picture of sinlessness And Jesus Christ is the spotless Lamb of God and then First fruits, of course, was a picture of resurrection and new life. Jesus Christ rose from the grave on the first day of the week, Sunday, which is first fruits. So realize this Jesus died on Passover. He is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, and He rose from the grave on first fruits. So it fits perfectly. He indeed is our Passover Lamb. This entire section is really a picture of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's time for Passover. Look at chapter 22, verse 1. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called Passover, all fits together. Passover on the 14th day, 15th to the 21st was unleavened bread. It says, was approaching. Last time we saw some incredible events. First of all, we saw Judas, one of the 12, one of Jesus' men, go to the religious leaders and offer to betray him, to hand Jesus over. Now the religious leaders hated Jesus. They wanted him dead. They'd been looking for an opportunity, some kind of way in which they could they could kill Jesus. And here, and behold, one of Jesus' own men, one of the twelve, came to them and said he would do this. Look at verse 5 of chapter 22. When they came and they Verse 4 says he went away and discussed with the chief Priest and officers how he might betray him to them They were glad Look at the response they were glad And agreed to give him money they said this is great They had been wanting to kill him they were glad And says now that Judas is going to begin looking for An opportunity look at verse 6 so he Consented to begin seeking a good Opportunity to betray him To them apart From the crowd so Jesus was Judas Was looking for this opportunity to betray Jesus The second thing that we saw and that was the First thing, second thing we saw last time was that Jesus sent Peter and John into the city to prepare a place, get everything ready for the Passover meal. Verse 8 of chapter 22, and Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. He gave them instructions. Everything had been set just as Jesus told them. They actually went to the city. They followed this man that Jesus told them would be there. They went to a house. They found the house. They found the upper room, and they prepared everything. And that was, that was a big deal to get everything ready. We'll talk more about it in just a minute. Look at verse 13. And they left and they found everything just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. So this would be that night, that last night that Jesus would be with his men before he's arrested. He's going to eat the meal. After the meal is over, they'll sing a song at the end. They will leave. They will go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas will lead a group of, of, of Jewish temple soldiers and religious leaders. They will come and arrest Jesus. He will be tried six different times, three by the Jews, three by the Romans. The next morning uh, he will be taken and put on the cross. At 9 o'clock in the morning. So this is what we're seeing. That's going to take us several weeks. We're in chapter 22, chapter 23, and chapter 24. We're going to be, of course, uh, going to the different Gospels, putting together all the different things that happen. Now, as we begin, let me give you the passage for this morning. Uh, first of all, the Passover meal, 14. I put 14 through 23. We will not get verses 21, 22, and 23. We'll just touch on them this morning. We'll get more of it next week. But his first of all, he says he has a desire to eat this meal with them. And then, as he talks about that, then he gives the bread. And the cup, which would say his body and his blood. And we'll talk more about that. And the last thing he mentions about betrayal, and we'll talk a little bit about that right at the end. We'll see more of that next week. Well, last time we saw that Peter and John prepared the Passover. What did they do? I mean, think about this. There's these two men. They went and they got the lamb. They went to the temple to have the lamb sacrificed. After the lamb was sacrificed, they cooked the lamb. They got the unleavened bread. They had to go get the wine. They had to get the special herbs and everything. They had to get everything that was needed. They had to set up the room. They had to Get the places and everything set up The host would be in the middle When they would come to eat There was a small table And the people would uh, where they would be Kind of recline around that little table The host would be Jesus He would be in the middle Right there And then the people would Or the rest of the guys Would be in a circle around that table That's the plan They've got to get everything ready In fact I want you to think about this If Jesus is the host here The two best places to be Would be to his right and to his left Who gets those places? We'll see it uh, Maybe not so much this week But we'll definitely see it Next week as well We'll see how this fits together Let's get the flow of this day Now remember this That the Jewish day Actually begins in the evening And if this was We were using a Jewish calendar today In the evening Around 6 o'clock Or when it began to begin dark This would be Monday night And then tomorrow would be Monday day. That's Jewish reckoning. Because they went according to the scripture where God said in the evening and the morning were the first day. So actually when you think about it, as they're doing this, as they're preparing the room, that's actually the 13th day of the month. In the evening, when they kill the Passover lamb and they get everything ready, it becomes the 14th in the evening. And that all night is the 14th night. All day the next day is the 14th day. That's why Jesus could come and eat in the evening on the 14th, the Passover meal with his men, the next morning be arrested that night and the next morning be put on the cross and die on the 14th day of the month. Because he died on Passover day He ate the Passover meal that evening The night before Which was Passover evening And then Passover day He dies on the cross to pay for our sins He indeed is the Passover lamb And it fits perfectly Now let's think about what's going on and we said last week Whenever you study the Bible Think that you're there Pretend you're, you're one of the twelve You're with Jesus You're seeing everything is happening So many people have come to Jerusalem for the feast It is estimated that there could be as few as 180,000 There could be as many as 3 million people coming into the city. this And this morning of the Passover, basically on the 13th, right before everybody's going to get ready to pat, sacrifice the lambs, what they would do is the priest, all 24 orders, there were 24 orders of priests set up by King David, and so a priest would serve an order for a certain period of time, and then his order would leave, and another group would come, and they would serve for a period of time. But on Passover, all 24 orders came to Jerusalem, To to do the ministry during the day, they would be burning the leaven that had been brought to them. Because remember, this is the feast of unleavened bread, and the Jewish people would go through their houses and they would get every leaven, every bit of leaven out, and they would take it to the temple, and the priest would burn it. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, it was the time of what they called the evening sacrifice. They would they would begin to sacrifice the Passover lambs. And the tradition is there were two big rows that you'd get in a big line. There were two lines. priest there, you would come up, they would take the lamb, they would sacrifice the lamb for you, and then you would take the lamb back and cook it. And so the two rows of the priest, this went on and on as the people would line up. Everything has now been ready. Obviously, Peter and John got the lamb, got in line, got the lamb sacrificed, cooked the lamb, got over to the place, got everything set up. It is now evening. It is now the 14th day of the month in the evening at twilight in which they get ready to eat the Passover. Look at verse 14. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. The time had come. It is now time to eat the, the meal. He reclined and his apostles with him. You remember, they, they didn't sit in chairs as the, the pitcher of the last supper and all that. They're all sitting at this big table. That's not the way they did it. They... they Basically they laid out feet out this way up on an elbow a little table there and they would just reach up and eat that way and they were in a circle all around. And so they've now come they've reclined at the table That's what it says he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. It is the fourteenth day, it is the evening, Passover has begun. Notice, he calls the apostles there. Uh, there are believers, there were disciples, and then there were the twelve, which were the apostles. Jesus obviously has the place of honor, because he's the host of the meal. He's going to do the talking. To his right, the best we're going to be able to tell, and we'll see it in the weeks to come, is John. John is right there, and young guy, and guess who's over here? Judas is on this side. And we'll see how this fits together as we go. And then the rest of the guys around. Peter's somewhere back over here because he's going to, later on, he's going to nod to John and say, John, ask Jesus something. And John's going to lean back to ask Jesus something. And we'll see that as we go through the passage. Jesus is the place of honor. Now, what does he say? Verse 15. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He says, I've earnestly desired to eat this one. Now, it really a special way of saying it. In the Greek, it literally says, I have desired with desire to eat this Passover. It's a way of saying this is very strong. This is something I've really wanted to do, a very strong desire. He says, I want to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, we know what the suffering is. Sometimes it's called the passion of Christ. The suffering, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to die for us. He's going to pay for sins, the sins of the whole world. They haven't grasped this completely. You remember we've seen it over and over that he told him he's going to the cross, he's going to die and rise again. And they keep saying, we don't get it. Sometimes they said it was hidden from him. Sometimes they just never put it together. I think tonight if you said to them, do you think Jesus is fixing to die? They would say, what are you talking about? Later on in the meal, we won't see it in the Gospel of Luke, but in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Because he just told them he's leaving. And they kept going, leaving. and he's he told them. They're just now grasping some of this. And so he says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Why this Passover? Because it's the last Passover with him before he dies. He has already probably eaten two to three Passover with him, maybe even four, because he's been with him three, three and a half years. And just according to when they all started and how many times they've gone together and eaten a Passover meal. Why to desire? Because he's going to make a change in this Passover meal. They've had Passover meals and they've gone through it and they've asked all the questions. They've done all the things and they've remembered about what happened in Egypt. But this night is going to be different than any other time. He's going to establish a memorial because he's going to say, This do in remembrance of me. And we're going to see what happens. He will suffer as the Passover lamb, die and rise again for us. We must understand that the sacrifice was for us. The substitution was for us. Romans five eight God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God has made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. The sacrifice. Now, before... Before we see this, let's think about Passover. Let's pretend we're Jewish and, and we would be doing this every year and we've been doing it ever since we were little bitty. In fact, if you were the youngest, you got to answer the question or you got to ask a question because at the table they were there and there was the dad or the host and they would have the Passover meal and the youngest would always start by going, why is this night different than any other night? They got to do that, the youngest guy. And so you would have been going to this all of your life. Well, let's think about the Passover. See, at the time of Joseph, the Jewish people went down to Egypt as a family because there was this great famine. Joseph had become great in Egypt. He'd become number two behind the Pharaoh, and, and, and he brought his family down there, and Jacob and the 12 sons and his daughter and his family came. There were 70 in all who came to Egypt, and everything was great. They got the best land. They lived in the land of Goshen. It was the best part of Egypt. Everything was great. Everything was fine until Joseph died. And a Pharaoh came to power who did not know Joseph, and he didn't like these Jewish people. And they were populating so much that he hated the Jews, and he says, I'm worried about them. So he made them slaves, and they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And so God raised up a man by the name of Moses to lead his people out, to take them out of the slavery, and to take them back to the land that had been promised to them. So he went to Pharaoh, and he said, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, I don't know your God. Why should I let my people go. These are my slaves. And so God brought judgment on Egypt. And he sent plagues. And there were ten plagues. And all of the plagues were judgments on the gods of Egypt. See, they worshipped the sun. And so the sun became dark. And they worshipped frogs. And the frogs came everywhere. And they worshipped all kind of different things. And all of those plagues were judgments on the gods of Egypt to say, There is a true God. Your gods are nothing. Well, the last plague was the most powerful because, see, Pharaoh considered himself a god and his oldest son who would be the next Pharaoh, and he's the next god. And so God told the Jewish people to get a lamb. And on the 14th day of the month to sacrifice that lamb and to take the blood and put the blood on the door of their houses, on the two sides and the top. Because he was going to come through and when he's going to kill The firstborn in every family, unless there's blood on the door. So the Jewish people, believing God, by faith, they killed the Passover lamb, put the blood on the door, so that when God came through Egypt that night, any house that had blood on the door, they did not lose their firstborn son. Any house without blood, they lost the firstborn son. I want you to see something. Hold your place in Luke. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Just Genesis, Exodus, second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 12. I just want you to see this quickly. It'll just take just a second, so turn back there. I want you to see how this fits. Exodus chapter 12, we'll start all about verse 5. Verse 6 and 7 are the ones I want you to see, but verse 5 gets us a little running start. Just go back to the front of your Bible, to the book of Genesis, go to the second book, and get to chapter 12, and there you are. Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, he talks about the lamb. He says, your lamb will be an unblemished male, a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Got to have this lamb. And then he says... You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. There it is. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. That's the plan. Look down at verse 12. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's why it's called Passover. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Go back to to Luke chapter 22 that's the Passover every time they came together they they would sit down and they would remember what about this night this is the night that God told us to get the lamb kill the lamb put the blood on the door and in the middle of that night God came through and wherever he saw the blood he passed over and the Egyptians let us go and we came out and we went to the promised land and so they celebrated their deliverance from the bondage of Egypt But this celebration, we realize, is just a foreshadow of our Savior Jesus Christ, who is our Passover lamb, who died and shed his blood for us to deliver us from the bondage of sin. And on this night, Jesus is going to change the celebration from thinking about the Passover lamb in Egypt to focusing on himself as the Passover lamb who delivers mankind from sin. So what did Jesus do? Look at verse 16. Verse 15 says, I have earnestly desired Jesus eat pass over with you for I suffer. For I say to you, and this is important, I shall never again eat it. Until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He says, I'm not going to eat the Passover meal again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom. Now, we all know the kingdom's in the future at the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes to the earth. And he sets up a kingdom. At the very beginning of the kingdom is what they call the marriage supper of the Lamb. Apparently, Jesus is saying, I will not celebrate the Passover, this meal, this special thing with you until I come the second time as the king. And the next time he comes, he will come in the kingdom as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me read this to you. Revelation nineteen nine. And he said to John, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. The marriage supper of the Lamb apparently is when Jesus is going to eat the Passover meal again. Or we'd say this memorial meal again. He says, I won't eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, let me remind you of the flow of these events. They reclined. Jesus washed their feet. Now, we're going to talk more about it next week, especially when we get into this whole idea that they begin to argue. At this Passover meal, they begin to argue which one of them was the greatest. And you realize that Jesus washed their feet. They had all rushed in hoping to get the best seats. Nobody washed feet. So Jesus got up and washed their feet. Usually it was a hired person to do that. Sometimes the youngest would do that. Jesus did that. It showed His communion and His service. And then they ate the meal, they talk about the betrayal, they argue over who's the greatest, there's a flow there. Now, there is a flow of the meal that a lot of times if you've never gone through a Passover meal or you've seen how that works, uh, there were four cups of wine that they drank during the meal. The first cup they drank, they drank just a little bit of course, they drank and it was a blessing. Then they did some things, and then they explained the celebration as he drank the second cup. Then they would eat the meal and then they had a third cup which was called the cup of redemption and then they ended it with with another cup, which was the cup of thanksgiving. Now, we're going to see that in this passage, we actually see Jesus take the first cup, and we see him take the third cup, and that's what it talks about. Let's see how it fits. Look at verse 17. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. He had taken the first cup, this most likely the first cup, the cup of blessing, he gives thanks. By the way, here's what he would say, that the best we can tell from the history and tradition. He would say, blessed are you, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. That's what the host would say as they took the first cup. He gave it to them and said, take, share this among yourselves and say that all drink of the first cup. Once again, he reminds them that this is his last time. Notice he says, for I say to you, verse 18, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until when? Until the kingdom of God comes comes and we know it comes when he comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It comes at his second coming. We've talked about that before. His first coming he came to die. His second coming he comes to reign. Now the change. Something very special. And as we study God's Word, we can see He changes the focus. Right in the middle of this meal. They've done this meal all their lives. He's going to change it. No longer will the focus be on the Passover lamb and them coming out of Egypt. But the focus is on Jesus. As the Passover lamb. And he talks about his body. And his blood. Notice what he does. Verse 19. And when he had taken some bread. And given thanks. He broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he took the bread and broke it and gave it to them to eat. And he said, this is my body. Now the bread represented his body. He gave it to us. This is my body. They began to realize, wait a minute. He's, he's talking about this is his body. He's become a person. He left the glories of heaven to become a human being so he could die, so he could shed his blood. John one fourteen, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the substitute and the sacrifice for our sins. Isaiah said he was wounded, he was bruised, he was crushed. He bore in his body our sins. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is saying, this is my body, this is the body which is broken for you. He says, this do, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He wants them to think about himself. He wants them to think about his body. He wants, As they eat that bread, he wants them to realize that he took our sin. First Peter 2.24, he bore in his body our sins when he was on the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we take the bread and we remember that this is the body of Jesus Christ, how he became a human being, how he died on the cross to pay for our sins. But there's more. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten. And when this after they had eaten is most likely referring to the meal. And so this is most likely the third cup. The third cup was called the cup of redemption. And that's what his blood was shed for to redeem us. And notice what he says. In the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Now, the cup came after the meal, the third cup. And what does he say? This cup Poured out is a new covenant in my blood. And so the cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ that is poured out for us. And see, from this point on, every time we come together and we talk about the Lord's Supper, what it really is, it used to be a Passover meal that the Jewish people celebrated to remember the deliverance from Egypt. But Jesus said, I'm the Passover lamb. I'm the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so when we come together and we celebrate what we call Lord's Supper, we're remembering the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, how He came a human being and He bore in His body our sins and how His blood was shed to pay for our sins. And so when He said, take this bread... This is my body. Take this cup, which is poured out for you, in the, is the new covenant in my blood. The cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood shed. First John 2.2. 2, he is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. He talks about that this is the blood of the new covenant. He says the new covenant in my blood. In Jeremiah 31.31-34, 31, 31 it is told that one day God would make a new covenant. Not like the Old Covenant, which was law, but the New Covenant, which is the aspect of grace. The Old Covenant law one day would be changed to this New Covenant, which Jesus shed His blood, the blood of the New Covenant. John tells us that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Old Covenant began by killing an animal and sprinkling blood on the Mosaic law aspect. That's the Old Covenant. The New Covenant begins at the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, that happened on the cross. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, His blood is shed. That is the beginning of the New Covenant or what we call the New Testament. When we take the cup in the Lord's Supper, we are to remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ, how He died for us. First Peter 1.18, we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus made a change that night. The focus is on him. My body sacrificed for us. My blood, which is shed for us. From this point, we don't call this a Passover meal. We call it the Lord's Supper. Tonight, we're going to meet together in here. We're studying the book of Genesis, but we're going to have the Lord's Supper. We thought it would match perfectly since we talked about it this morning. You come back tonight, you have the privilege and responsibility to remembering the death and the resurrection of your Savior, Jesus Christ. As we come back tonight at the end, we will have the Lord's Supper, and we'll talk about the bread, and it represents the body of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about the juice, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, uh, we're going to stop here. And next time, Jesus is going to say, somebody's going to betray him. Now, I want you to see something. Look at verse 21. He said, but behold, right in the middle of this, he says, behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. He says, the one betraying me is right here at the table. And we sometimes would think everybody would look around at Judas and go, yeah, so he's a scoundrel. But they didn't. They didn't expect Judas. They didn't even think that way. In fact, look at verse 23. They begin to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who is going to do this thing. Do you realize that they looked at Jesus and each one would go, Is it I, Lord? It's not I. It's not me, is it? Next time, Jesus tells of the betrayal. And we see they begin to argue on who's the greatest. And Jesus says, You want to be great? I'll show you how to be great powerful what have we seen it's time for the passover meal jesus declares strongly that he desires to eat this passover meal with them, and the next time he'd eat it it would be in the kingdom he changed passover right in the middle of this meal he changed it so that it would remember his body and his blood because jesus is the passover lamb who brings the new covenant and then he says one at the table will betray me powerful stuff. Let me give you some applications. The first one, of course, is understand the Passover celebration. Understand it. See how it all fits together and those things. In fact, when you study it and you see, uh, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you see this, you say, okay, I know what this is. This is what we call the Last Supper. It was a Passover meal, but it was really the Passover celebration, but God changed it. We always know that it was remembrance of the deliverance of the Jewish nation from Egypt by God. That's what it was. That's what Passover was. The Passover lamb, B, the Passover lamb is really a foreshadow of Jesus. And so when they killed that lamb and the blood was shed and they were passed over, it's because there is a Passover lamb who died in their place. See, the Passover lamb took the place of the firstborn. Passover lamb was shed, blood was up there, and so when, the, when God came through that night, he saw the blood, there was a substitute for the firstborn. Jesus Christ is our It was a picture of the one who's going to come and die. So the second application is trust Jesus Christ as our Passover lamb. If you have never understood this, if you said, you know, I've gone to church most of my life and I I thought maybe trying to live a good life or being good or giving money or joining a church or getting baptized, somehow that had something to do with with going to heaven. The answer is that has nothing to do with going to heaven. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is the Lamb of God who died for you, paid for your sin, and rose again. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth. Truth and the life. He is the only way to go to heaven. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, right now, right where you're sitting, you can understand how He died for you and rose again, and you can trust in Him and Him alone as your Passover Lamb, as the one who died for you and rose again, giving to you eternal life as a gift. Trust Him. He He became a human being to shed His blood and to take our sins and to pay. He is the satisfactory payment. The third thing is what we'll do, and this is what we can do tonight, and that is to celebrate the Lord's Supper having the Lord's Supper this evening, so we want you to come and celebrate it with us. It's a powerful thing. We're supposed to do that, so we're supposed to remember there are three aspects of it. When we take the Lord's Supper, we think about the past, how Jesus died and rose again. We think about the body and the blood. At the same time, in the present, it is our communion. That's why sometimes the Lord's Supper is called communion, because we have to be in fellowship when we take the Lord's Supper. It's our time with Him. And while we take the Lord's Supper, we think of the future, because we look for His return, because He said, do this until He returns. And we'll see that as well. And so tonight, if you can come back, it'll a great time that we'll study the book of Genesis and we'll also have the Lord's Supper. May we have an understanding of the Passover celebration knowing that the focus is now on Jesus Christ our Lamb and as we celebrate the Lord's Supper may we remember Jesus bore in his body our sins and he shed his blood to pay the penalty For our sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. What a great passage. Thank you for these truths. Lord thank you what Jesus did. May we understand the whole idea of Passover. And how it was deliverance of the Jewish nation from Egypt. And how that Passover lamb was really a foreshadow of Jesus. The one who was the substitute. Lord I pray that. That if uh, if there's anyone in this room who has never trusted in Jesus, that even right now they'll believe in Him for eternal life. They'll realize that He indeed is the Passover Lamb who died and rose again and gives us eternal life as a gift. And Lord, I pray that tonight maybe we all come back and, and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper as we study the book of Genesis. And then we'll remember the past death and resurrection of Christ, our present communion, and we'll think about His future return as King. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.